as you heard at the beginning of Mass, I'm Father Chris Diamond, I'm a member of the Chicago Protestant Augustinian Order. I'm originally from Wisconsin, in the town of the Madison Diocese, but I served most of my priesthood as a missionary for many, many years in Peru and South America, also some years in Ecuador and Bolivia. You already know this is the weekend for Food for the Poor. They gave me these brochures when we came in. I'll talk about that in a moment. First, I'd like to reflect a little bit this afternoon on the Gospel from St. Matthew that we have. First, I'd like to thank all of you for coming to Mass. I know that sometimes we're fearful, and maybe many people are not being able to come to Mass. But thank you for your presence here at the Holy Mass. This Gospel from St. Matthew, the line that struck me is what Jesus says about taking up your cross. If you're not willing to suffer, you're not willing to continue with Jesus. He says he's not worthy of me. And I was thinking about this uh, because I had read a little while ago about this Polish social worker <clears throat> named Irena Sandler. She lived to be 97 years old. She only died about 10 years ago in Warsaw, Poland. She was a social worker, a Catholic social worker, during the Second World War. And if you know anything about European history, you know that during the Second World War, Poland suffered greatly, especially the Jewish people. We talk about the Holocaust. Six million Jews were wiped out by the Nazis. My family background is German, and a lot of Germans, or most Germans, are ashamed of what happened in the name of their country by the Nazis during this time period. But this Polish social worker, Irena Sendler, she had a way of helping the Jews. She was able, because she was a social worker working for the government, to get in to the Jewish ghetto in Warsaw. And there were hundreds of thousands of Jews crammed into this little tiny area. And there was sickness, there was typhus, people were dying in the streets. And many of her colleagues of this Irena Sandler, many of the other social workers said, you're crazy for going in there. You're gonna get sick. The Nazis are gonna do something to you. She didn't listen to them. In spite of all the risks, she continued to go into the ghetto day after day, taking food, helping children, especially, escape. She was very clever. She used sometimes coffins that have children in there instead of the dead body of children somehow wedged in there underneath the body of the deceased person. And she, this woman, with her helpers, was able to save 1,000 Jewish children. Many of them are still alive today. They're in their late 70s and 80s. And they thank her, this social worker, this little woman. I saw a picture of her. She was a tiny woman. And the state of Israel gave her an award as the righteous among the Gentiles for what she did to help the Jews during the Second World War. Now think about the story I just told you here. It wasn't easy for her. She could have just stayed in her house. She could have hid. She could have said, ah, this has nothing to do with me. These are Jewish people. Why should I bother? There were epidemics going on in the Warsaw Ghetto. As I said, typhus and other terrible diseases. She still went, and she was Catholic. Her faith underlined the works that she did in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter that she was serving another religious group. What matters is she was serving Christ by caring for these people who were going to their death. You think she didn't worry about getting typhus or other sicknesses? Yes, she did. You think she wanted to die? No, she did not. In fact, God allowed her to live into this century. I think she died in 2007, but I could have that fact wrong. But I know she lived to be in her high 90s. 
Nazis were suspicious of her, and they arrested her, and they tortured her. She didn't reveal anything. Her faith helped her, even in the midst of being tortured by the Gestapo or the SS. This woman's story is worthy of imitation by us who claim to follow Jesus Christ. Are we going to let our fears just get in the way of following Christ? Are we going to say, oh, well, yeah, I would, you know, gladly carry my cross if there wasn't a coronavirus going on. I would gladly carry my cross if there weren't riots going on in Minneapolis and St. Paul. I would gladly carry my cross if everything were better. That's hogwash. God asks us to be faithful in good times and in bad times. Is it always easy? No, it is not. I'd be naive to say it's easy. It is not. Am I going to care about my brother and sister even with everything that's going on? The answer should be yes. Do I trust in God even when things seem to be dark? And they certainly are difficult now. Yes, I do. This gospel passage invites us to take up our cross, to continue to follow Jesus in spite of everything. So I ask this, what is Jesus asking each one of us to do? What risk is Jesus asking us to undertake, even when other people might make fun of us or call us crazy? I can't answer that for you. In your prayer, you will hear the word of God. The voice of God saying, you can do this. Sometimes we want to wait for the priests or the bishops and say, oh, well, they're going to lead us. Maybe not. Hopefully so, but maybe not. But what is God asking of me? And I know by your presence here that you're risking it. Because it would be very easy to just stay at home and say, no, I'll go back to Mass when the coronavirus is gone. You know, if you know American history, you know 100 years ago, there was another pandemic so-called Spanish flu. 600,000 people died in the United States alone during that pandemic. 50 million around the world. So our ancestors, your parents, my grandparents, my grandmother's still alive back home in Wisconsin. She's going to be 101 in November. She was born right at the end of the last pandemic, the Spanish flu. She was born November 26, 1919. So, if our grandparents and our great-grandparents and even our parents could live through that and still follow Christ, cannot we continue to follow Christ in spite of the racial strife, in spite of the sicknesses and pandemics that we might find around the world, we're still called to follow Christ. Now I said I'd talk a little bit about this. I know you guys all the time about the diocese for health and you've had priests from food for the poor before. You know how this works. Inside the little there's an envelope. You can mail it in, you can give it to the parish office, you can give it to me after mass, however you want to do it. Food for the poor works in 17 countries in the Caribbean and Latin America. I told you I'm originally from Wisconsin, but I served most of my priesthood in the missions. I just was in Peru for four months. I got back right before the flight stopped, the pandemic happened. It's going on there, it's going on in the Caribbean and other countries in Central America and South America. The campaign that Food for the Poor is trying to do is put wells into towns, in little villages where there's no water. I'm a, a witness to that. I can testify to that because I've worked in places like this. People live in little adobe huts. Adobe is made out of mud and straw, and you make bricks out of it. They live in houses like that, and they do not have water to the house. Food for the Poor is not talking about putting water in everyone's house. They're talking about putting a little hand pump 
in a village where there's no water. That makes a huge difference in the lives of people. Think about this gospel here. Jesus says, and whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. Jesus is using the example of water. How can you live without water? What happens in places, in little villages in these countries in Latin America and the Caribbean where there's no water? Someone from the family doesn't go to school, usually the youngest girl, and takes the animal, a donkey or a burro, puts buckets on the side of the animal, and walks to a well or a river. Unfortunately, sometimes the river is contaminated and the water is bad. You think of all the things we need water for. I took a shower this morning, I shaved, we drink water. We're told by the governor, wash your hands, wash your hands. How do you do that if you don't have water? Not to mention hand sanitizer. So Food for the Poor is trying to build houses, trying to put wells in villages where there is no water. It's a worthwhile work. I know oftentimes we just want to turn our back on the rest of the world and say, I'm only going to think about my community, my little town in Minnesota. I'm not going to think about those people in Wisconsin or those people in Peru or those people in Haiti. But that can't be our attitude as Catholics. Because we're members, all of us, members of the church that Jesus Christ founded 2,000 years ago. The word Catholic means universal. It's the church for everybody, not just the people from my ethnic background. Not just the people that speak my language. Not just the people like me. Everyone is invited. And Food for the Poor, through their work in the missions in this hemisphere, in the Americas, tries to help our brothers and sisters who are in dire need. I invite you to read this brochure, to pray about it, and to use the envelope and to make a donation to them. On behalf of Food for the Poor, and especially on behalf of the tens of thousands of people in the Caribbean, in Latin America, and Central America, and the projects they have here in the United States. 